So for three weeks, I didn't know if my chance of being alive in five years, seeing my girls graduate high school and things like that were 50-50. That really gives you a lot of perspective. I have an hourglass, and that hourglass sits on my desk, and I look at it every day, and it reminds me that the sand is running out, and you can't stop it, and you can't slow it down. Hello, and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Daily Helping. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and I am so excited about today's guest. Jim Palmer is a marketing and business building expert and in-demand small business coach. He is the founder of the Dream Business Academy and Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind Program. Jim is the host of Dream Business Coach TV and the Dream Business Radio Podcast. He is a serial entrepreneur and creator of no-hassle newsletters and no-hassle social media. Jim is also the acclaimed author of Just Say Yes, Create Your Dream Business and Live Your Dream Lifestyle, as well as a number of other books, including Decide, The Ultimate Success Trigger, Stop Waiting for It to Get Easier, The Fastest Way to Higher Profits, Stick Like Glue, It's Okay to Be Scared, But Never Give Up, and The Magic of Newsletter Marketing. Jim and his wife, Stephanie, are living their dream aboard their floating home. Jim conducts business from the boat and enjoys traveling the east coast of the United States. They spend time in New England near one daughter and two grandchildren on the Chesapeake Bay, where they can be near much of their friends and family in the south in southeastern Pennsylvania. In the winter, they take their boat to Florida to escape the cold. Jim is truly working and living the dream, and he is here to help you do the same. Jim, welcome to the show. Dr. Richard, thanks for having me on, and congratulations on uh, on your success. I think uh, the daily helping is really, I'm imagining it's helping thousands of people at this point. I very much appreciate that, and let me say I am thrilled that we are having a milestone moment here. This is the first ever episode of The Daily Helping where my guest is conducting his interview live from the Atlantic Ocean on a boat. Very, very, very cool. <laughs> yes, in the Narragansett Bay of New England, to be precise. But yes, we, we live and work on the boat. And it's quite interesting when we first moved on board, you know, kid, our, one of our kids might call and say, well, where are you? And said, well, we sold our home and we're out of the apartment. This, we will always be on the boat because we usually, are you home on the boat or where are you? So we, we live full time on the boat and we're, we're really loving life. That is so great. And I know that you weren't always loving life because you had some challenges and adversity along the way, particularly talking about cancer, which you've overcome. Could you share with us your journey and how you got to where you are and how you overcame some of those big, big obstacles that you dealt with. Yep. So when I was uh, 40 years old, I became VP of marketing for a training company. And I, somehow I just had this goal, probably totally ego driven to be a VP by the time I was 40. But when I, uh, when I was 41, 
my position had been eliminated with the company. They suddenly walked in and said, you know what? We don't need marketing anymore. <laughs> and so I found myself out of work, Dr. Richard, for the first time since I was 15 years old. And, you know, we had four teenagers at home. And so even though I knew I, I was going to be an entrepreneur someday, I'd always work for entrepreneurial companies and certainly had the DNA uh, to be a business owner. I thought, you know, with, with four teenagers, I need to get another job and we'll, I'll scratch that itch another time. Well, that turned into actually 15 months of uh, unemployment really uh, wrecked me financially. We kind of lost the meager savings we had and started going into quite a bit of debt, as you can imagine. And 12 months into my 15-month unemployment journey, uh, I was diagnosed with stage two melanoma. So I was pretty sure I was about as low as you can get at you know, at that point. And there was about three weeks between the time I was diagnosed and by the time I was scheduled for surgery, where based on the results, the surgeon said, I don't know if it's stage two or stage three. This happened really, really. I didn't even know the term melanoma before I got diagnosed because I sun worshiper. I thought it a healthy glow and all that most of my life. But anyway, um, he goes, the difference between stage two and stage three, Jim, is your average life expectancy past five years. If it's stage two, it's 80%. And I thought, well, if you're going to have cancer, 80% is not horrible. I said, so Doc, what if it's 50? What if it's uh, stage three? He goes, it's 50 50. And so for three weeks, I didn't know if my chance of being alive in five years, seeing my girls graduate high school and things like that were 50 50. And that really gives you a lot of perspective. I'll pause here, but I can give you my whole, my, how I started a business. If you want that story too, or do you want to take a, want me to take a breath there? Breathing is, is definitely important, Jim. But I, I, I want to spend a moment talking about that perspective, because essentially you had this three-week period where you were wondering, am I going to live? Am I going to see my kids graduate? So when you went through that, what were the things you were thinking about, reasoning, experiencing? And then when you came out of that, what was different? For a solid year, I woke up every day. When am I going to find work? How am I going to find work? And I was doing everything. I'm a, I'm a full-time job, work, uh, finding a job. And I had also taken several part-time jobs just to bring money in. But the minute that phone rang and, and the doctor said it is malignant, I mean, every finding a job was the furthest thing from I needed to go do what I needed to do. I went to survival mode and be alive. But, you know, I was so, I'm not saying I was a horrible person. I think I was a good husband, father, et cetera, but I was very, very career driven. I I think I usually left the house around 6.30, probably got home about 6, 6.30. And, you know, and so I just, cause I felt, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people, I, I suspect mostly men, but some women probably would say, well, yeah, but I'm doing it for the family. Well, <laughs> It might be nice to, you know, advance your career, make more money. But in reality, you're doing it for yourself. I did learn that. Another thing for me, um, Dr. Richard, was when Stephanie was driving me home from the hospital after my surgery, I obviously couldn't drive. I had a gigantic bandage on my back. I'm just kind of leaning forward. And we're driving through um, Valley Forge Park, if anybody's familiar with southeastern Pennsylvania. A lot of history there. And I'm looking out the window and I go... God, those trees are beautiful. And I promise you, if I had said that once in my life, I'd never remember that. I mean, that's <laughs> not something I typically would have said. I'd probably more like, get out of my way, you know, if I'm driving the car. But and she goes, yeah, they are pretty. And, and I never forget that. And something changed when I left that hospital. And he says, and the doctor actually said, Jim, we're going to consider you cancer free. And there was a pause and he goes, for now. And, you know, I, I go for regular checkups the rest of my life. But that really altered me in such a big way. Things that used to get me upset, they don't get me upset anymore. But the only thing that gets me upset if people mess with my family or somebody I really care about. But 
stupid little stuff. People bemoaning when you're standing in line at the airport. Oh my God, this sucks. And all that. It's like, okay, you know what? You're going to be on a plane. You're going to be on paradise in three hours. How else is that possible? You know, I, I have just such a different perspective on life and, and other people. And really, I, I would say a really good uh, dose of what's really important. What you're sharing it really strongly resonates with me personally because of my experiences uh, with the car accident that I shared with you that I was in. And I think that is what happens is that when we have an experience where we may die or we think we're going to die, it really puts one in a position to evaluate what matters. And you know, you so clearly articulated that. But then you didn't have stage three cancer. You had stage two cancer and you healed. But then you have to go back to work. So how is Jim Palmer different in the business world after all of that? Well, as you said, sometimes you, when you go through adversity, you come out stronger. And that was definitely my case. I got to share one last thing with you. I've had this ever since, uh, well, probably a dozen years. And I brought it with me on the boat. We didn't bring too many things just for space. But I have an hourglass. And that hourglass sits on my desk. And I look at it every day. And it reminds me that the sand is running out. And you can't stop it and you can't slow it down. And eventually the sand run does run out for everybody. So I'm, I'm very cognizant of the fact that if there's something like Stephanie and I, we should have maybe could have waited another year or two and maybe taking a, a captain's course or two before embarking on such a big adventure, a boat this big I've never driven in my life. But you know what? You just you just say yes and you go for it. So uh, when I was healed and uh, I by the way, in in the last 16 years, I've had melanoma two other times, but we keep catching it early. So knock wood, that's, that's very a good blessing. But I decided that, you know what, uh, I'm, I'm at such a low place. And a after uh, my surgery, li literally about a week after the surgery, I was laying on the couch recovering and I watched September 11th happen. And whatever prospects I might have had for a job were completely gone. I'm sure you remember that time. It was horrible. We didn't know what the heck was going to happen, but nobody was going to hire, you know, a, an executive like myself. So I thought, you know what, I, I just need to start a business and I have no money. I'm in debt, but I've got some brains and I've got a lot of experience. And so I created my first business in October, 2001. And about five years later, I was doing multiple six figures, but I came to realize that I had become a small business owner, meaning I owned a business, but I was the sole employee. I was doing everything. Um, so I, I switched courses and I got very, very good at internet marketing and launched my first internet business in 2007. I launched four more in the next three years. And then in 2009, I started coaching other people how to do it. So that that's in a, that's in a very small abbreviated version in a nutshell of how I got to where I am today. You mentioned something that resonates, I'm sure, with a lot of the audience who are either entrepreneurs or solopreneurs doing everything yourself. Was there a point where you said to yourself, it's too much and I need to hand the reins over to some of this stuff a little bit to others? The turning point for me was in uh, 2005, one summer evening, I'm sitting out back with my wife, Stephanie, and she says, I need to ask you a question. And Sometimes your wife will just ask a question, but if there's a preface, like I need to ask you, it's like, oh, what, this is serious, <laughs> you know? And she goes, when are we going on vacation? We have not been on vacation since 2001, right before you lost your job. And I thought, wow, I guess we could afford a vacation. But my second thought, like literally a millisecond later, Dr. Richard was, how am I going to go away? Because I've created a business that 
exists only when I'm working it. I mean, I was answering the phones. This is before like Ring Central and other nice little technology things we have today. And I was calling on the clients and I was doing everything. And so if I went away for a week and truly went on vacation, there'd be no income. So that was really hard for me to figure out. That's when I started the shift and, and I had to figure out leverage and there had to be a better way. That's actually the transition point when I went from seeking just financial freedom to seeking time freedom uh, because I didn't want to just have money in the bank and, and never go on vacation and, and never be able to do things with my kids and now grandkids. I really wanted to create a life that I could actually enjoy life because, again, that sand is, is, continues to run out. So that happens and you you decided you wanted to take that shift, take Stephanie on a vacation. What business changes came out of that? I read a book called Think and Grow Rich. And right after that, I read a book called The New Psycho Cybernetics. Both of them are like every small business owners probably read them, but they're really instrumental in changing your mindset and the way you view things and, and opportunity. And I started learning about leverage and one of the one of the questions that I um, had to wrestle with was how do I continue to grow my business if I'm the only one producing revenue, and or if I'm only working with local clients and then hoping and wishing and praying they they order again at some point after I close the first deal, and then you know when I asked that question and this is the power of your subconscious mind I started learning and seeing different things that centered around the power of the internet. And suddenly, instead of me trying to find another 20 or 30 clients local to where I lived, if I could find two more clients in every state, just two clients in every state, I could like probably double or triple the size of my business. And I deliver the, the goods that I was providing online. And so that's when I thought, man, that that is some serious leverage. And and that's the power of what the internet can do with people. I mean, I've I have coaching clients internationally. You know, as long as like as we have a good internet connection or cell service, I, I coach people virtually or we do Skype video chats and things like that. So the technology has made it possible for me. I, I mean, I never meet with clients face to face other than when they come to my own seminars. I do everything at wherever I am in my house, my apartment, or now my boat through the use of this technology, but it came to me and I started learning that because of the question that I asked myself was how do I leverage my skill and talent, but, but serve a much larger audience than just here in Chester County, Pennsylvania. Fantastic. And then out of that, is that what caused the birth of Dream Business Academy? It is. So in two, th- so in 2009, I had created four or at the time, four or five different businesses. And I'm, I'm still attending a lot of seminars and people are aware. You start seeing some of the same people in some of these events and people are asking me, how are you doing all that? I'm still trying to get my first business going. You got like five. And when somebody starts asking how you're doing that, that's an opportunity. There's two things you can do. You can go have a cup of coffee and tell them everything, or you can start a coaching program <laughs> and get paid for the wisdom and knowledge that, that you possess based on your experience. So that's what I started doing. I started growing slowly and about three or four years in, I think I had about uh, 10 or 12 clients and that wasn't fast enough for me. So I invested in um, some mentoring by a really successful coach. And from there, I just really started growing. And I did my first live event in uh, 2013 
did it in Las Vegas and, and sold that out. I'm doing my seventh event uh, here in Rhode Island and we'll sell that out. I do them about every eight months or so. So sometimes twice a year and depending on how the calendar works, sometimes it's once a year. But about every eight months, I, I put on a seminar for about 50 people and, and teach some of the what I call the dream business uh, principles. I'm going to put you on the spot here and see if you could share a few of those. Give us a teaser of some of those dream business principles. Well, you, I just shared one, the power of leverage. Um, the, the second one, which would be uh, business related, is, is this. And this is one of the biggest ones for, for people to grasp. And it, it's, it's a saying, you will earn significantly more income based on who you are than what you do. You'll earn significantly more income for who you are, not what you do. See, it's not about the deliverable. So if you're an accountant, saying that you can add numbers really, 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 really well, so much better than any other accountant, that's not a good calling card. <laughs> you need to be perceived as having a specialty or a niche. You know, when I went looking for a CPA many, many years ago, I started asking around at different events and chambers. I, I said, I want to work with somebody who specializes in QuickBooks because that was my software of choice when I started. And I said, I need somebody who can just know it backwards and forwards and can help me and then take it over. And and I want somebody who only works with home-based businesses. And, you know, what's interesting is you see some some companies, whether it's accountant or otherwise, they'll say, well, we work with everybody from the really, really top dogs of Fortune 500 companies down to the little guy. And they think that's smart. In reality, if, if you think you're the little guy and when, when it gets really busy and you make a phone call to that company and a Fortune 500 makes the same phone call, who's going to get the business first? So I wanted to work with somebody who eats and sleeps and breathes home-based small business. I want to know about every tax deduction, things like that. Based on the questions I was asking, Dr. Richard, I was introduced to this guy and he's been my CPA ever since. When I found out that I had melanoma, again, a term I didn't even know, I started doing some research and talking to people. I was calling different um, surgery centers and all these different places. I was just like dialing, dialing, like, who's the, who, who is the surgeon that knows the most about melanoma? And I heard this name three times. Doctor, his name is Dr. Zernicki. It just came flashing in my head in Philadelphia. He worked at, at Penn Hospital, University of Penn, and he pioneered this, this certain way of um, operating on melanoma patients. And that's where I went. That's when I found out I was a pretty good salesman, by the way, because he was booked for like months in advance. And I, I said, I'm coming in in three days. Would you rather have me in the morning or the afternoon? But I will be in your waiting room. <laughs> I was like insistent. And um, so I got to have Dr. Zernicki operate on me. And you, you want to be the, known as the go-to person in some field and not necessarily just because you're highly skilled at what you do. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. And it sounds like it's when you're talking about making money based on who you are, it can be more than just having a niche as well. It can be based on your value system as well. Is that correct? 
Well, it is correct. I mean, there's different things that are going to, people will be attracted to. I wouldn't make that my lead card, for example. When when I my first business, I was uh, creating newsletters for, for local companies. And when I learned this strategy, I anointed myself. I started calling myself the newsletter guru. And so literally for five years, I promoted that. I had a banner and a booth and it was the newsletter guru. Now, I never went to college for design. I'm self-taught desktop publisher and self-taught writer. And I just learned how to do newsletters. So I'm quite sure there's probably a million people who could do newsletters as good, if not better than me, but I created the newsletter guru. And that made me very, very, <laughs> made me a, a nice living, to be honest with you. And then when I became a business coach, well, you could either be Jim Palmer business coach, or you could help people create a dream business. So I created the whole dream business, dream business academy, dream business mastermind and coaching program. I, I, I came up with the whole definition of what a dream business is. You know, then I started getting some people, some pretty famous people, one being like Dan Kennedy, a great mentor of mine. And he wrote a review for my uh, sixth book called Decide. And he said, Jim is known as a dream business coach. And if you're going to have any kind of business, you might as well have a dream business. And for Dan to say that, who's fully schooled in the whole strategy, I, was, was a great compliment. But that goes to the power of branding, right? And so that's, that's kind of the whole uh, lesson there. So branding power of leverage, making money based on who you are. So talk to us about how those two things connect to branding. So the first thing is what what will attract people to you initially, what's going to get the most eyeballs on you is when you are known, when you have the reputation or when you Google it, you come up as the person most qualified. And there's a number of ways you got to do that, but um, you're the most qualified. Now, other things are going to bring people to you to get you over that no like and trust factor. So somebody who just met me for the first time, they're not going to say, "Oh Jim, you know, here's my credit card. Let's I'd like you to help me." They're going to go to my website. They're going to watch some of my videos. I've been doing weekly videos for 6 years. I do a lot of interviews and podcasts. They're going to probably read some of my books. I'm very vocal about, you know, how I feel about giving and serving and and, and paying back, paying it forward, whatever terminology you want to use. Uh, I'm I'm very out there about if you're going to have a business, you might as well make a nice living because Honestly, you know, the, I, I believe in this expression, if, if you want to help the poor, don't be one of them. You know, Stephanie and I do a lot of work with, with a number of, of favorite nonprofits that we support, and we're able to do that because, you know, we make a nice living based on my business. So I get it. It's not all about money, but, you know, some of these charities don't run without money, right? They don't run without donations. So I think that is an important part of, and, and so people learn they get to learn, or maybe the expression is they get to take a full measure of you and they get to learn all about you. And, and that's why, you know, one of the things I teach is slowing down the sale. You know, you don't just go, hi, I'm Jim. Do you want to hire me? Hi, I'm Jim. Why don't you come get to know me? And here, let me send you a book or something like that. And so, yeah, it, it, it's part of the whole package, Dr. Richard. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I love everything you said there, particularly about paying it forward, giving. That's a very central theme on this show. So thank you for bringing that up for sure. You know, quick story. I'll make it really quick. So I, we, we support um, four charities, all kind of local to where we lived in Pennsylvania. And we were at this uh, annual fundraiser and it was during a political season, not recently, but there was something said off the cuff from actually the executive director about wealthy people. And I get most executive directors are not wealthy unless you're one of these poorly run national, you know, whatever. But anyway, she said something that was a little, I thought, off color about rich people. 
And I think she just used the term rich people. And, you know, I don't know, you can consider yourself however you want to look at yourself. But I, I went up to her after the event was wrapping up and I said, I just want to tell you, I think that was inappropriate to say that. And she goes, I know as soon as I said it, I, I regret it. I said, if it wasn't for so-called rich people making donations, the great work you're doing would not be possible. And so you really need to be careful when you say things like that. No, a, a very good reframe. And, and I want to shift gears a little bit here, Jim, because I know you've got several books that you've put out. And your most recent book, Just Say Yes, Create Your Dream Business and live your dream lifestyle. I, I want to spend a little time talking about that. So share with us, although I think we've kind of touched, I suspect, on the high points of that given our dialogue so far, but talk about that book specifically and who that's for and what people are going to get out of that. So my previous six books, I wrote six books in just under eight years, all business strategy books and marketing. My uh, sixth book was Decide the Ultimate Success uh, Trigger. That was really about a lot of the mindset stuff that I was talking about earlier. And I really thought, okay, I've written a lot of books. I'm done. Kind of tick that off. I'm done writing books. And then I, I just felt led, honestly, to to write this book. When Stephanie and I decided in July of 2016 to sell our house and live on a boat, you know, we, we took our time, to, did everything properly. But Something happens when I think you get a, an idea to do something, and it could be start a business, buy a summer home at the beach or the mountains, buy a boat, whatever it is that you want to do. If it's something big outside of your normal routine, I think people tend to fall in love with the idea initially. It's kind of like that first date, your, your heart goes pitter-patter and like, this is going to be so cool. Oh my gosh, we're going to live on a boat. And then the other side of your brain kicks in and you start to play the what-ifs. Well, what if I don't know how to drive a 50 foot boat? What if I, I bump into somebody else or I run out of gas or I run aground or I, you know, it, what if, what if, what if? And that starts wreaking havoc with your mind about, well, should I do this or not? And I think people that either achieve high levels of success or people that do things in their life, which might be considered out there. And trust me, the look, we know the look when we told a lot of our friends and neighbors of 30 years, what we're doing, we saw that look occasionally, like, what the heck are you doing? And so when you do something big, you have to overcome the what ifs. And, and what I said, we just got to say yes. We just got to say yes and over and, and just go out there and figure it out. Because if you don't, say yes, and you don't figure it out, you might be happy with your life. And I'm not being judgmental, but if you just, the, the way we felt, Dr. Richard, was this, we got married young. We were both 21. We raised four kids. Uh, we were in our house for almost 30 years. We did everything by the book. We had all the proper insurances. We started putting away for retirement. We did everything very safe and predictable. And I started getting tired of an acre and a half of grass and cutting down trees in the winter and shoveling the driveway and, and took Stephanie a couple more years to catch up to me. But we didn't just want to like move into the townhouse because after the townhouse, wherever that is, the next step is probably some kind of retirement community. And we just didn't want to do that. We wanted to go. We, we honestly felt we wanted to go on a big adventure. And we talked about a number of different things and actually settled on the idea of living on a boat. I kind of forget your original question, but I hope I'm getting there with, uh, you have to overcome the what ifs and in life, if you really want to go on a big adventure to whatever that looks like for you personally, professionally, you just have to say yes and figure it out as you, as you go along. You did. I essentially, when people read this book, 
this is going to push them in that direction. It sounds like your book in some ways helps people overcome the fear of how do I get to that destination X down the road? Yeah, I share, this is very much, um, it's a business book, but it's also personal because I share some of this story. But I read a book about a year ago by Gene Simmons, the one of the members of the group Kiss. And he's, I mean, he's really, you know, his, his early escapades were not my cup of tea, but he's really quite an amazing businessman. Well, in Gene's book, he talked about all of the things that he's been able to do in his life because he basically said, yeah, I'm going to do it and I'll figure it out. I mean, he owns a, a hugely successful marketing company and all these different things. He was, became an actor and a producer and all these, uh, he became a speaker. He said, I want to become a speaker. So he went to like the greatest uh, speaking agency with all the big stars. And they said, he said, I want to earn a hundred thousand dollars. He said, well, most of our, even our top dogs get like 50. So he fired them and he started his own speaking agency and he gets a hundred thousand dollars of speech. So he did that all not having been formally trained and not having uh, all the letters after your name and things like that. And so I took, I did a look at my career when I got my first job when I was 15, I had no experience repairing bicycles, but I said I did. And I could, cause I knew I'd be able to figure it out. And after a week, the owner of the store said, you really don't know what you're doing. Do you? He says, I said, not really. He goes, but I really like your attitude. I'll teach. <laughs> but I mean, there were several things like that throughout my career. I worked for a company that decided to franchise and we grew from 14 stores to 80 stores. And when we sold our first franchise, the owner said, hey, we need to develop a two-week training program. Who can do that? I said, I'll do it. I've never done that before. So all throughout my life, I've I basically said, just say yes and figure it out as you go. And so I think that's that's not a bad mantra, both in your personal life and in your professional life. Outstanding. And within your book, I'm not sure if we're going to have time to get to all of them, but some of your chapters have some pretty interesting titles uh, chapter six is titled Seesaws, Leapfrog, and Being Childlike. How does that relate to being a small business owner? So when you're when you are a small business owner, and it doesn't matter what age you are, but when you start, I think you have like childlike qualities. And if you look at kids that are four, like my my grandson is four, he has very little fear. I mean, he'll climb up on top of a dresser, which I know is about to tip over. Kids have no fear. When you're an entrepreneur, you need to have that kind of no fear. Entrepreneurs who think, well, I'm going to take $100 and I'll open this and I'll only I'll only grow if I get a sale, I'll take part of the sale. Or, no, that's no way to grow a business. You know, Federal Express, if he grew that way, there would be no Federal Express. You know, you've got to take your chips in and push them in the middle. So you got to overcome fear. Or as I say, you got to have a childlike quality of, of no fear when you start a business. The seesaw means that, yeah, the, the title of the book is just say yes, but very often when you say yes to something, you have to say no to something else. So if you're going to grow or start a second business or, or do something, the time has to come from somewhere. And and very often it's going to come from maybe your family life or, or less sleeping or something like that. So there's got to be balance, kind of like, you know, the seesaw in, in the kindergarten. If you two two people on one side, nobody on the other, it's just all the way up or it's all the way down or whatever. So, And then the leapfrog refers to we're schooled, uh, no pun intended, we start in, in preschool, go to kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, all the way up to 12, and then we go to college if, if, if that's our chosen path. But when you're an entrepreneur, nobody says go out and make your first 20 grand, then you can make 30, 50, maybe you'll get to 100 and you keep going. 
you can start out at six figures if you're smart enough, if you got the right brand and things like that. You can leapfrog over other people. You don't, you, there's no natural progression uh, as an entrepreneur. So, in, in a nutshell, for time, that's a quick definition of that chapter. And so, when you have this overarching message of bigger, bolder, faster, that's what you're talking about, that there's no reason you have to settle for $20,000 when you could make six figures. That's right. And the, and the powerful thing I mentioned earlier, Dr. Richard, about the power of the subconscious mind, if, if you say, um, I need uh, 20 new clients in the next six months, well, it's really not that. I mean, yeah, that's, that's going to be nice and probably a game changer for a lot of people, but why not go for 200? See, if you say, I want to go for 20 new clients, you know, okay, I'm going to have to go to some networking events. I might do some mailers. I might do some, get some referrals. Getting to 20 might be an accomplishment, but it's very achievable. But if you say, if you actually say to yourself, what do I have to do to bring in 200 new clients? Your brain has to go into a whole different space. Like, what do I got to do? Well, that's going to be gigantic marketing or dollars or, or the internet. In other words, you just start thinking about possibilities, things that, that aren't part of your everyday thought process. And that's where the magic comes in. I believe Tim Ferriss talks a lot about this and that it's essentially the shift when our minds start trying to problem solve. We're problem solving for things that are so astronomically huge that we just have to think outside that box. I love that. That's terrific. We're getting pretty close to the end here, Jim. We're definitely getting close to the end of time, but I did want to spend just a couple minutes because I'm curious and I'm sure a lot of my listeners are. When you trans, I want to ask about the boat. When you made that transition, when you and Stephanie decided you were going to give up the lawnmower and all your neighbors and everything else, what was that like? And what's it like day to day living on a boat? So when we made the decision, we both knew it felt right. Yes, we went through some what ifs, but we luckily overcame those. And when we actually moved on the boat, it was um, April, April 15th or 16th of, of 2017. This was in uh, Chesapeake Bay, which is close to where we used to live. And we spent two weeks on the boat getting used to it and figuring it out. And we still had our car there. We were able to go to the store. And and then we, we set off for Rhode Island, which, you know, is about mm, 320 nautical miles. I've never driven a boat, any size boat in the Atlantic Ocean before. <laughs> we went through a lot of stuff. When we finally got to Rhode Island, Dr. Richard, and I, I put it in this very small slip that we're in. It was very tight. We got the lines tied up. I got off the dock and half for humor and half for real. I got off the boat and I kissed the dock. And I told Stephanie, I said, we're not taking this boat out of here for a month at least. <laughs> because what we had just been through, we we off the when we were pulling into New York Harbor, we were in some really rough waters. The boat bounced around. A lot of things fell off shelves. And it was quite an education. And and somehow we both realized we have not been outside of our comfort zone this much in a long time. And it felt good. I never thought we were going to sink or anything, but it was like, oh my God, this is way beyond what I thought it was going to be. Long story short, we've been on the boat now for... Um, Let's see, May, June, July, August. We've been on the boat almost going on five months as you and I are talking, Dr. Richard. And I'll tell you this, every single day feels like a weekend and it feels like we're on vacation because we can get up and we kind of just go up the stairs to the, to, the, to the bridge and I look out, we can watch the sun come out. We watch the sun go down on the other side of the boat. 
we're not in, in traffic. Uh, we go to the store if we need to, to get food and stuff like that, but we don't have to drive anywhere. Therefore, I'm not dealing with congestion and noise and horns. And um, we, we did a blog and, you know, I'll, I'll mention it. it's not a business blog, but it's called OurFloatingHome.com. We named the boat Floating Home and our boat is, our blog is OurFloatingHome.com. So people are curious what the boat looks like. We actually give a video tour of it and things like that. But the last post that I, I did to the blog, I think it was called Slower, Easier and Chores or something like that. And I, cause I'm a guy who is always moving rapidly. My neighbors, I'm almost funny saying this they used to call me in a minute gym because if there was a task or something to be fixed i would be like all over that because i didn't want to go in the house until every chore was done i'm like boom 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 and what i found now life on the boat is slower it's simpler it's a very nice boat it's big we got food it's not like we got to go to get go to the store daily but it's our life has slowed down the chores that i have the boat needs to be cleaned and things like that and if i don't clean if i don't finish cleaning it cuz it's a big boat in one day it takes me two days i actually don't care because i live on my boat and i my whole view on life and things like that is so amazing we're really looking forward to going down the intercoastal waterway to florida in in uh, late october november and discovering these tiny little towns we're not going to be on i-95 we're going to be on these little waterways and streams and rivers and pulling into this small town where there might be a restaurant or somebody will give you a lift to the store if you need food and it's just it really is amazing and for for so long i was on the I was really on, I felt the uh, merry-go-round of my career. And then I've certainly been on a merry-go-round the last 15 years, or at least the last 13 years with my business. And every once in a while, I'm sure most of your listeners, Dr. Richard, could relate to the phrase, just slow down the the Ferris wheel or slow down the the merry-go-round I want to get off. We feel like we're off the merry-go-round and we're like totally loving life. That is beautiful. And I think you might have just answered what I'm about to ask you, but I'm going to ask it anyway. As you know, I, I always wrap up my shows by asking guests if they can share with me their biggest helping, the single one most important piece of information for the audience to walk away with today. I'm going to share something which was an amazing revelation. And I actually like that word for what I'm going to share with you. Revelation, not only in my personal life, but my business. You want to become a generous and cheerful giver, and you want to give without expecting anything in return. And that was one of the things that I realized, to be honest with you, after I had cancer, that's when I came into into faith in a big way. And, And I learned about tithing. And I used to think, you know, putting $10 or $20 in the offering plate was a lot. We give substantially more than that. But, and I've, I've not only used that principle in my personal life, but this whole thing about giving and serving others and doing so without expecting anything return, it's not just a good life strategy. It's really good for business too. And you got to ride that rail. So, okay, I'm going to help this person now. Maybe they'll buy something or record, you know, you just go serve that person. And, you know, the great late great Zig Ziglar used to say, you can get anything you want in life if you help enough people get what they want. I think there's a lot of that grounded in, in what I shared. Outstanding. I absolutely love that. And I'm going to ask my audience in about 20 seconds here to go ahead and do just that. Uh, (laughs) Jim, you did mention ourfloatinghome.com, but I know you've got some other links. Where can people find you? Uh, So for business, getjimpalmer.com, getjimpalmer.com. And you can find links to my uh, Dream Business Academy, coaching, my books, all the different things can first be found at getjimpalmer.com. Perfect. And, And for those of you 
driving their cars right now. We're going to have all of the links to everything Jim Palmer in the show notes, as well as on the Daily Helping app. Well, very good, Jim. This was awesome. I really enjoyed this. So much of what you had to share today resonated so strongly with me, and I know it will with our listeners. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been a real pleasure, Dr. Richard. Thanks for not asking me the, what would you tell your six-year-old self if you were stuck on an island question? I really never never asked the island. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I loved it. And I want to thank each and every one of you who tuned in to listen to this show today. If you liked what you heard, go leave us a review on iTunes, subscribe to the show, because that's what helps other people find this podcast. But like Jim said, I couldn't have said it any better than he did. Go out there and do something nice for somebody else, expecting nothing in return. Even if you don't know who they are, especially if you don't know who they are, post it in your feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping. Because the happiest people are those that help others. 